John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We've been in this series for a few weeks, the Gospel of John. All right, so whatever campus you're on, raise your hand if you ever saw the movie Lincoln. Put your hand up. All right, Lincoln with Daniel Day-Lewis. All right, some of you hadn't, so spoiler alert, it's about Abraham Lincoln. All right, and there's a, there's a spot in this movie uh, there's a spot in this movie where Lincoln is trying to obviously get the 13th Amendment passed, and he's trying to uh, get, uh, get the amendment passed to abolish slavery, and his whole cabinet is against him. They're at the White House. It's a late-night meeting, and as he's, he's walking through this, the entire cabinet is against it. Lincoln is like the sole person that is for this thing. And as, they, as, as the tension mounts, all of his cabinet just begin to argue, and it's like teenagers like going at it, the volume just gets higher and higher and the tempers begin to flare. And the whole time Lincoln is just quiet. He's just sitting over there and he's, he's, he's keenly aware of what's going on. He's watching them, but he is not joining in on all of the fracas. He's not joining in on all the temper tantrums. He's not joining in on that. But as the tempers flare and as the volume rises, there is one point in time, and Daniel Day-Lewis does a great job of playing Lincoln, but right at the time when everything is just at its crescendo, what happens is Lincoln slash Daniel Day-Lewis, he just, he's like, slaps the, slaps the table. He's like, I can't take this anymore. Like, I can't take it anymore. And because Lincoln was so not that kind of guy, he was so not that kind of person that would scream and shout and lose his temper. He wasn't that at all. But when he finally did, everybody else in the room just shuts up because they know it's like, man, what did it take to get him like that? And I love that story for a variety of reasons, but in a much, 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 much greater way, we see a similar characteristic in John chapter two today. And it's one of those ones that sometimes gets skipped in children's church because in children's church, we like the Sweetest Jesus who is like super nice and he has got long flowing blonde hair and blue eyes and he walks on the water and he heals the sick. And what we're going to see today is a story. It's not the nice Jesus. It's not the healing Jesus. It's not, the, it's not even the walking on water Jesus. And those are amazing. This is the Jesus who walks into church with a weapon, throws tables over and drives people out. You're like, well, that's, that's why I came. That's why I came. I'm glad you did. Glad you did. Here's the, uh, here's the reason that's super. Let me give you a couple reasons this passage is so crucial. Number one, Tozer put it this way. A.W. Tozer, pastor in Chicago many, many years ago, he said, the most important thing about a person is what he thinks about when he thinks about God. In other words, he says, whatever comes to mind when you think about God, that is the most important thing about you. Because then he goes on to say, he said, because the soul naturally gravitates toward that. What he means that is if you've seen God a certain way over a course of years, you will probably start to personify that in some way, good or bad or indifferent. C.S. Lewis actually put it the same way. He said, the fundamental, the fundamental thing about a person is, are his thoughts about God. When he thinks about God, what does he think about? In other words, what he's saying is what you think about shapes, again, the person that you are. If you think God is harsh and angry and mad at the world, then you tend to become a person who is harsh and angry and mad at the world. On the other hand, if you think God is like super progressive and a life coach and he winks at sin, then you have a tendency to do the same. Second reason this is super important is, there a, is there a, there's a timeless temptation when you and I study God's word, a temptation for everybody and the temptation for everybody when it comes to Bible study is to emphasize the parts of the Bible we, we really like, particularly the characteristics about God that we really like, and minimize the characteristics of God that we are not as comfortable with. 
And that's natural. So we tend to really like the passages about like God's love and God's healing and God's grace and his, all that. And it's amazing. Those are amazing. And we tend to shy away from God's holiness and God's justice and specifically when it comes to God's anger. And what we're doing there is so dangerous because what we end up with is a God of our own imagination. Voltaire, who was not a Christian, he was a writer in the Enlightenment period. He said this, and again, he wasn't a Christian, didn't even believe in God. He said this, if God made us in his image, then what we did is we turned around and returned the favor and we made him in our image. And that's, that's, that's what happens when we say, I want this part of God, but not, not that part of God. So Jesus spent a whole lot of time correcting religious people correcting people who even took God's word real seriously to see that a lot of what they thought about God, their preconceived notions about God were actually incorrect. For example, how many times did Jesus say, you know what, you, like the whole, almost half the Sermon on the Mount is this way. He said, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this. In other words, you heard it, you heard it this, and he usually is doing some part of the Old Testament that they have taken and then misapplied it, but I tell you this. Or think about how many times he would come out and say, well, the kingdom of God is like this. And he would tell some radical story that was so countercultural and like shocked them. We call them parables. It were stories that were teaching them something they could not learn in a different way. Uh, I'll give you this one. Here's a, I heard a preacher not that long ago say this. He said, quote, the message of Jesus, the message, the main message of Jesus was all-inclusive love. And just take that for what it's, the preacher's like, the main message, the main message of Jesus was all-inclusive love. Now, I think it's fair if somebody says this is your main message that you can at least speak into it yourself. And so, according to Jesus, at the start of Mark's gospel, when he says what he is about, he says the kingdom of God, this is Jesus, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the gospel. As a matter of fact, 